If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free and everyone loves free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which makes it very convenient. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Finally, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So take a moment to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am officially back. This is your host, Tanisha Nicole, and I have a brand new author sitting here with me today, and his name is A.D. Burks. Good morning, A.D. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. You're more than welcome. Um, So for those of you that don't know, I was on a bit of a hiatus. I lost my mom, unfortunately, to metastatic breast cancer in July, so I took the show off and I took some time off to focus on my grieving process and to wrap up a couple of my mom's business affairs along with and helping my dad wrap up some of my mom's business affairs and, and just taking some time to myself and just processing things. And um, it was really it was a really hard decision for me to come back to the show because my mom was such an integral part of my life and she was an integral part of the show. So my mom watched this show live every time that I aired. And then she held off on watching the whole show so she could watch it with my dad on Sundays. So they made it a deal. And um, it was really hard for me to make that decision to come back. But I know that my mom would want me to continue to move forward and continue to do the things that I love. So I made the decision to go ahead and come back in in full force and rock it out. So this show is in honor of my mom. And... um, Thank you guys for bearing with me as I've gone through this process, and thank you so much for welcoming me back. So with that being said, I'm going to launch right into um, my time here with Mr. Burks. Can I call you that? Absolutely, anything. (laughs) Okay, so he has a couple of books. For those of you that can see, this is one of his books right here, and I'm going to let him talk to you about both of them this is the second book so ad can you tell me a little bit about each book and how you got and how you got to the process of writing both books well let me first acknowledge your loss thank you um my mom i'm only child and we're my, me and my mom are extremely close. Yeah, and she has health concerns that mm-hmm. I deal with all the time. And you and you look at the book. I talk about that, and that's sort of what sort of brought all this about was my addiction. Part of it was people pleasing. And, okay. And the only person I was really concerned about pleasing was my mom right. because of all of her sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I was able to travel the world, you mm-hmm. know, go to Russia at fifteen. But at the same time, you can't neglect your own purpose and Mm -hmm. path in life Mm -hmm. and so with that the second book talks about pain so how how I define addiction is addiction equals pain so any substance or behavior you utilize to escape pain can become addiction right so you mentioned you took the time to grieve your mom which Mm -hmm. was so good because Mm -hmm. anything could have you know turned that pain into addiction right 
Yeah. So I know I had a conversation with somebody about that recently, and um, she did describe to me or she did express to me that, you know, you don't want to go from her perspective. You don't want to go down this cycle to where you're just dealing in grief and you go into a depression Mm -hmm. and you look for other things to fill the void. Right. So for me, I, I made a conscious decision to try to do it the healthiest way possible and I tried to surround myself with a lot of people I tried to keep myself somewhat busy without getting too busy Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also tried to take time and but the time that I had to myself were the hardest moments for me to navigate through and when you mentioned people pleasing I was you know I used to do that for my mom a lot so my mom Quick backstory: My mom really wanted me to be a, a news anchor. Mm-hmm. That was her dream for me, <laughs> and I didn't really want to fulfill that dream when I understood what all was entailed in that job. And you don't start out at, as an anchor; you mm-hmm. start out doing a whole bunch of other stuff that I didn't really want to do. Right. So when I started doing this show, I always kept that in the back of my mind. In the back of my mind, because I did want to please my mom. My mom was my biggest supporter. Not saying my dad's not, but my mom was a huge supporter of me. And um, she gave me her advice, unsolicited sometimes. (laughs) And, you know, the things that she wanted me to do, unsolicited at times as well. So that was one of her things. So when I started this show, I told her, I was like, hey, mom, maybe now you can finally see me on TV. Because you can watch Facebook on your TV and stuff like that. And she said, hey, T, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And so she get, she actually posted one of my shows, one of the old, early shows. She posted, and I have a quote from her. It was a really strong quote. And she said, you know, she was very proud of what I had done in, in the field of education because I'm a teacher by mm-hmm. day. And then what I've done with this show. And Great. the show was very new. So I completely understand. And, and given the, the level of grief that I'm at, um, you're right. I could have turned to other sources and some people do because the pain is sometimes for me and I've said this to people that I know you know sometimes the pain was just unbearable Mm -hmm. sometimes and I don't really know how other people dealt with it and so I talked to people about that and I talked to even my mom was sick that was hard too because it was a lot you know on me a lot on the family it was just it's it's a lot to go through so can you talk a little bit if you could sure about the pain and uh, about pain and how do you effectively manage it if that's even the right term or way to look at it okay so for me let's go back to your statements of your mom wanted you to be something Uh uh-huh my mom wanted to be married with kids okay to a woman yeah and for me that wasn't my reality okay my reality was I was attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather was a Baptist minister, so religion, oh, you know, wow. you're right. So we had all those dynamics playing yeah. into effect. Yeah. So I basically ended up living a double life. Uh-huh. I lived the life of, okay, I'm the perfect son, made straight A's, you know, perfect. And then the other life was, okay, I want to be with a man. I'm attracted to men. Uh-huh. How do I manage this? Yeah. Well, how I managed it was becoming a sex addict. Wow. And... And people don't realize, people say, uh, that's fake, that's not real. But when you think about, you know, Tiger Woods and what happened, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. Right. You know, he was dealing with the grief of his dad's lost, and then what happened? He becomes a sex addict. Mm-hmm. So how we handle pain, we first have to realize 
our pain is real. And people try to diminish it and say, this isn't real, who you are isn't worthy. And then all of it just builds up, builds up. And you know, it's, it's like a balloon, it's gonna bust. So mm-hmm. I was blessed that my pain didn't get to a level where it killed me, mm-hmm. but it got to a level where I finally had enough support around me because my mom's a licensed professional counselor. And so it was like, you, you need to go to counseling. I was like, what the counselor's gonna teach me? Mm-hmm. My mom's been counseling. They said, yeah, but she hasn't counseled you. So then I ended up going to a certified sex addiction therapist, uh-huh. and he thought I was bipolar. I said, okay. I, really? I, I, exactly. So I, I give you all these things because if you aren't attuned to yourself and to, you know, my first step in it is understanding your own relationship with God versus mm-hmm. what the church mm-hmm. is telling you, mm-hmm. you know, you will be messed up. Right. So that's why the four steps is really about working through pain and understanding it and it asks you questions because it's a workbook so what happened was the first book i basically was at a point i had a dream and this was during the addiction mm-hmm. I, I got caught in the dream I, it was like a, a salem witch hunt and they were going yeah we know you're sex addict because remember i've been putting on this front for so long and at the time I was getting my MBA rights mm-hmm. and so I was staying at my mom's house mm-hmm. and it was just like old times mm-hmm. and it's like how long are you going to keep playing and putting on this front mm-hmm. and I ended up having a dream and when I woke up I had the whole middle section of the of the memoir wow and so it was all outlined mm-hmm. and the whole thing behind that is how are you going to help people and yourself get out of this and that's when it came through. And I wow. basically end up using the four steps, uh-huh. which is establish your own relationship with God, abstinence from the substance or behavior, step three being walk away from your triggers, mm-hmm. change your environment, mm-hmm. and the final step, creating a support network. And from that, we've got basically sex and surrender, which is quite graphic. Mm-hmm. And I made it be graphic because a lot of times if you're an addict, you'll dismiss behavior. And really? like, oh, yeah. You, you say, oh, well, especially being a male, you uh-huh. know, oh, he's just hypersexual. You know, and I, I was having sex with both men and women. So people would be like, oh, OK, well, you know, you, you put up this double standard, this uh-huh. double front. But the reality is you're an addict. OK. So if I put it in your face like, OK, I do that, I do that, I do that. OK, maybe I should think about mm-hmm. assessing mm-hmm. where I am in my life. And so that's why the book is as graphic as it is. Mm-hmm. However, you will see the theme of spirituality, which was a, allowed me to get to a point of being able to break the addictive cycle. Okay. So do you think um, that there is purpose in pain, or do you think that um, pain is just there to teach you something? To Which will go back to your statement of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think, you know, it, it depends. Um how you view life. Some people view it half full, half empty. Mm-hmm. I think there's a purpose for everything in life. The key is, have we sat still and quiet enough to figure out what that actual purpose is? Okay. So, for instance, my sex addiction. I had to have that pain of not being accepted and looking for validation outside and people mm-hmm. pleasing and all of those steps until I could come to the point where I am now where I can say, okay, I know God loves me as I am. Mm-hmm. I can go back and I did my own work and realize the word homosexual wasn't even in the Bible mm-hmm. until 1976. They changed all of, all of these things. I'm sorry, 1946. Because you go back to Greek and, and Latin, that word's not there. The word is catamite. So 
people don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize what it is, so the ho- reason I'm discussing all that is do your own homework. Stop mm-hmm. relying on pastors. Stop relying solely on pastors, solely on counselors. Form your own relationship, and God will lead you. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody always they always talk about what Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Mm-hmm. But put it in the context of what was really going on. Was that consensual sex? No, it was rape. At the time, at the you know that was a way of exerting your power over right. something. So I go back to, was it pain, that pain I experienced, was there a purpose for it? Absolutely. I've been able to help so many people that are in pain, whether it be a sex addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're able to see, you know what, I'm dealing with something, I don't know how to get out of it because of all these external factors that have been thrown at me, or sometimes internal, things that we tell ourselves. And, And that's what the workbook sort of goes through in asking you to look at, okay, do I believe it's because this is what I actually believe, or do I believe it's because this is what I've always been told? Gotcha. So how did you know you were a sex addict? Like, did you come to that realization on your own? Or did somebody tell you that's what it was? Like a therapist? So I sort of came to it on my own. Remember, my mom's a licensed professional therapist, counselor. So I had a little of that background already Uh to do sort of self-assessment. The key is when I, I guess it clicked, was when I realized the behavior wasn't leading to where I wanted to be. Which was? Married with a family. Okay. And so I was dating girls thinking, okay, I'm, I want to I get married. I want kids. But the cons- concept of being actually married to a man and having kids, that, that's not a reality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a reality that I could even see because it was always told it couldn't be. Right. So what happened is I, I realized it was just cycling. Mm-hmm. And then finally I said, you know what, I need to probably get some help because of good people around me. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the first time I went, I went to a certified sex addiction therapist. He said I was bipolar. And when it was time to get the diagnosis that they put in for insurance's purpose, mm-hmm. I said, so what are you putting down? Mm-hmm. He was like, well, I can't put bipolar. I was like, yeah, I knew that. So I stopped going. Well, luckily my mentor, he said, I think you're too selfish to put this book out, the memoir. Really? Yeah, he did. He said... I want you to go see another therapist. And that therapist, amazing. First day, I went in there, and I threw everything in the kitchen sink. And she was like the Matrix. She was catching it all. Boom, boom, boom. She, she had her glasses on. She put it down. She said, so what you're telling me is you use intellect as a defense mechanism. I'm going to need you to help me help you. Wow. I said, I like you. And from that process, that's when we were able to really get to the core and root issue of the pain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't me, my selfishness as the true cause. It was my selfish, selfishness being a reaction to trying to people please. Gotcha. So that's what happens. You have so many layers upon mm-hmm. layers, and, and, and uh, uh, most of it really originates in childhood. It does. And so many people try to negate, oh, mm-mm. attachment theory mm-hmm. is real. And it's the first five years that really sets your trajectory of how you will navigate the rest of your life. So can you explain attach- attachment theory for those, for those people that don't know what that is? Cool. So... Let me first by note by stating I am not a licensed professional counselor. Right. <laughs> so the layman's term of attachment theory is there are three types of attachment: anxious, avoidant, and then secure. Secure attachment is really have been shown to only be five percent of the population. Okay. So a secure attachment goes back to your caregivers. Uh-huh. You know, you didn't feel um, 
like they're trying to control you. Uh-huh. And then you didn't feel that they were leaving you. Gotcha. So with the anxious, those people felt abandoned. Okay. So you have people that have abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. That was my issue. My, my dad and my mom got divorced when I was four. And I always felt abandoned by my dad. Gotcha. Then you have the avoidant. People whose parents were always controlling, telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is the avoidant and the anxious usually get together. Ah. And it creates that cycle, cycle. that keeps going, going, and going. Wow. Right. Okay. So while I, I'd say the four steps is a great process to help you break the addictive cycle, I would also suggest you go to a counselor, and you'll know if it's the right counselor when you feel it, to help you work through some of those issues. Because while the four steps can definitely help you break the cycle, for you to, in my, what I could say, no longer be an addict, is to truly understand self. And that the book helps do that. Okay. All right. So a, a little bit about both of these books. So how can, you, how can people actually, let me back up. Is there one book that you would suggest people read before the other, or does it matter? Um, so I would. The, the Sex and Surrender, I would say, is almost a niche book. Okay. It's for addicts. However, if you like movies, it's, it reads like a movie. It does. The four steps is for anybody okay. dealing with addiction or actually pain. Because the reality is, we, our, our term, I wish I would have labeled it a practical guide for breaking the cycle of pain. Because when we use the word addiction, there's sort of a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. So anytime you hear me say addiction, just put in pain. We're all dealing with pain. And a lot of pain isn't sort of classified as an addiction so 70% of the population is overweight Mm -hmm. so if you think of the process of what am I utilizing to escape pain then you pick up the four steps gotcha okay so how can the audience excuse me how can my audience and your audience how can the people watching this today support you what is it that we can do to to help further your mission along support you in your books support anything else that you have coming up Great. Uh, of course, you can always go to www.the4stepsguide.com. Okay. But currently, right now, I'm on a panel for South by Southwest Education 2019. Okay. And the title uh, of the panel discussion is the LGBTQIA and the New Church. And it's me along with uh, three other pastors. We're basically trying to help people reconcile sexuality and spirituality there's a debate between both groups right but the reality is there are repercussions from this debate you have people committing suicide Mm -hmm. you have people that are addicted Mm -hmm. and if we truly say we care about these individuals and we care about the principles of the religion that we claim to be a part of Mm -hmm. we need to have a discussion right so if you go to the panel picker Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure y'all have that. Yeah. Where you can click on it and vote each day up to August 30th. And cause okay. we, we really need to have this discussion. And South by Southwest is a great venue to discuss it because it'll get that national presence that really needs to occur. Because we have I, obviously a national presence of opioid addiction. Mm-hmm. But what's behind the addiction? Why are people going to opioids? Right. So I know like as a teacher, as an educator, that's something that I always try to get people to see because like I'll just mention like the mass gun shootings Mm -hmm. I teach kids and I teach high school kids 
in high school kids, if they don't have an outlet, they will come and talk to the teacher. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my kids would come and talk to me about stuff that they were dealing with, you know, personally, not professionally, but, you know, their, their jobs and stuff like that. And some of the themes that I kept coming across was some of these people really don't feel that great about themselves as young people. Right because of either other experiences they've had at school, other experiences they've had at home, family dynamics, you know, sometimes their parents are going through stuff and it affects them in a different way and it has it causes them to have to, you know, step into a more leadership role mm-hmm. than what they were expecting to do, all kinds of stuff. But one thing that I try to tell my fellow teachers is that People don't just go shoot up places. There's I mean, reason. that's what that that's what it looks like. But you have to understand the behavior and and the the the, the things that lead up to that type of behavior because mm-hmm. it's always like if you go back and peel back some of those layers, you're gonna see some other stuff that was going on that caused them, unfortunately, to go and take that type of action. So I think that some part of this is that people really don't have hard discussions either because they think it's too taboo or they don't think that it's a necessary discussion or they think that you know well people just have their own issues and they just go do stuff and sometimes that happens but a lot of times if you peel back those layers you'll understand why people behave or act the way that they do and but a lot of it is just because people don't have anybody to talk to they don't have anybody that they feel comfortable enough being vulnerable with Mm -hmm. and sharing their story and sharing their pain and not being criticized you know for doing so i so i commend you for even um broaching this and for even um writing books about it to help people that are afraid to have the conversation or afraid to come forward or whatever because i'm sure i can only imagine actually i did read some of the testimonials from your book on amazon Mm -hmm. and some you know and i can only imagine other people that haven't said anything but the book has really helped them through maybe a really dark place so i think that it's phenomenal that you can even um broach this well thank you well the the problem is our society, we had a societal shift. Yeah. And I'm a, I grew up in the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. And the media is the most powerful tool in the world. Mm-hmm. And who's controlling that media? And they're setting the standards of what is normal, mm-hmm. what is valued, mm-hmm. and what is diminished. That used to not occur. You know, the average TV time was maybe an hour back in the day. Now, not only do you have TV, you got social media. And you got these people putting on a portrayal of the life they really want to live versus right. the life that they're actually living. Right. So it goes back to authentic and being real is so few and far between. Mm-hmm. But the people who are, we need a platform to actually get on those media so they can say, hey, it's okay to be you. It's okay to not be a size six for a woman. You know, it's okay not to have bulging biceps. All that. It's okay to be you. And then once you get to a point where you're happy with self, mm-hmm. then you can go out and mentally navigate the world. Right. But so many people aren't okay with self. Right. And I I agree with that um, because, again, like when I teach children and even when I talk to adults, like sometimes I can can tell that, you know what, they may not be that okay with themselves. And, And to be honest with you, when I was growing up, I wasn't that okay with myself either because I felt like I had to change. I felt like I had to conform. I had to shy away from certain topics or shy away and not say certain things Mm -hmm. just to 
have people like me or have people want to be around me and I'm like well who am I you know and even with the loss of my mother right that's something that I struggle that's something I've struggled with too like who am I without her right or who am I like who is this woman that I that I am now because the woman that I am now is a little bit different than the woman that I was when my mother was still alive and then people go through different shifts you know so I can only imagine if like a, a child has gone through divorce or if a child has gone through a traumatic experience I can only imagine how that shifts you know and and starts to reshape what they think about the environment that they're in and and who they are as a person so right. you know I think I'll, I think a lot of this is having the dialogue and then letting people know that it, it you're to your point it is okay to be exactly who you are and and you know that's okay and and welcome who you are because every somebody needs exactly who you are not who you want to pretend to be to be and that's why i like the four steps because it's set up in a manner where you can utilize it with the therapist so you, okay yeah you sit up and we're asking all mental health professionals to utilize it with their patients who are struggling with addiction because it, we have it where we give dialogue about each step but then we also ask you to answer each question. Okay. And by answering those questions, not only is it causing you to think about your situation, but also to process to another level to say, where do I really want to be? And then have that dialogue with a trained mental health professional, you can start getting breakthroughs and understanding what's up under those layers that you're gotcha. portraying. Gotcha. Well, I've enjoyed my time with you. This has been Thank a really you. good discussion. I'm glad that we had this conversation. I'm glad that I was able to utilize the platform that I have to support um, your books and, and the discussion because I think it's very important. And I thank you for coming on my show. Thank, thank you for you. allowing me to talk a little bit about my mom during your time. I and uh, I appreciate having you. I think it was a great job. And I highly recommend both of your books that people read them, get them, and um, not necessarily study them, but utilize them in a way that helps or benefits themselves or somebody else that they may know. Thank so you thank so you so much. much. You're welcome.